0: Hey guys, welcome back to Handling It. I'm your host, Katherine, and as you know, I thought I had my life all figured out, and then I realized I actually didn't. But I'm handling it, and one of the best ways I've learned how to do that is to talk with others about how they're handling their own lives. For those of you who participated in Dry January, I think you are going to love today's guest, Ruby Warrington. Ruby is an author, host of the Sober Curious podcast, writer, and former editor. She's also the founder of the self publishing imprint Newness Books. Ruby is notably known for creating the term Sober Curious. Her work has sparked a conversation surrounding drinking and has taught individuals how they can reevaluate their relationship with alcohol. Her latest book, The Sober Curious Reset, was released in December and it invites readers on a 100 day journey to change or rethink the way they drink. The pandemic has definitely impacted the way people drink. Some have been passing the time by drinking more and others by drinking less. Ruby will be discussing how individuals can participate in the Sober Curious Reset if they're looking to change their relationship with alcohol during this time. And she'll also share some alcohol-free drinks you can indulge in. I am really excited for you to hear from Ruby, so you know what to do, turn up the volume, get comfortable, and I hope you enjoy. Ruby Warrington, you are an author, having written books like Material Girl, Mystical World, and the Numinous Astro Deck. You're the host of the Sober Curious podcast, and you recently released your own book, The Sober Curious Reset, which we'll be talking about later. Um, In the book, you take readers on this 100-day journey of an alcohol-free lifestyle through daily exercises and advice so I can't wait to chat about it. Uh, welcome to Handling It Podcast, and thank you so much for coming well, on.
1: Thank you for having me. It's really great to be here. Of course. It's of my of favorite course. subjects, so. <laughs>
0: yes. Well, you wear so many different hats, and I'm super interested to talk about uh, your journey with the Sober Curious philosophy, but before we get into that, you know, you didn't really start... Uh, with this platform, you are actually working as an editor at the UK Sunday Times, if I'm correct. Mm-hmm. That's yes. correct. Yeah. So, how it did it that feels journey like a go about? Ago
1: now. <laughs> yeah. I sorry, it feels like such a long time ago now. But yes, my whole career—I'm from the UK originally, and I've been here in the US, coming up on nine years now. So, it's definitely feeling really like home here. Um, but my career in the UK was a very long-standing and quite high-profile career in magazine journalism. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I kind of honed my skills as a journalist working there at the Sunday Times, for example, acro- and, and for many, many different publications. Um, and I suppose that's when, that's my approach to writing. Like, my whole career, even in journalism school, like, back in the 90s, I was always, <laughs> like, really kind of tuned and vigilant to kind of what were the social trends that were kind of bubbling under the surface. And that's always the kind of stuff that I've reported on. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of like is a theme that runs through my books. I'm just really fascinated in like, why humans behave the way that we do and all of the different influences that kind of can impact on our different lifestyle trends and the different ways that the different kind of lifestyle choices that we're making. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's my background and I bring that very journalistic mindset to this subject of Sober Curious. That's kind of the majority of my work for the past two, three years has been in that field. I actually had an, my original Sober Curious book was really the book that kind of put that term out into p- the public consciousness that came out at the end of 2018. Right. So the Sober Curious Reset kind of follows up on that and really shows you how to apply all of the philosophy that I laid out in that book to this idea of like taking an extended break like a hundred day break from drinking
0: it is it's so interesting to sort of study human behavior study history and then report on it discuss it um because there's it's so interesting to learn from people's experiences and then you know as you just said with your book uh sober curious you talk about your experience and your journey and then the sober curious reset it's Ways and tips and tricks people can adapt that into their lifestyle. Exactly. So, I guess, yes. if you will, what does being sober curious mean? Uh, walk us through uh, the definition, if you will.
1: So, the original kind of definition that I came up with for that term, which I can't, I coined that term to describe my own changing and evolving relationship with alcohol. This has been about almost a ten year journey for me. It was kind of shortly before I moved to the US, I really started to question my drinking. Mm-hmm. And that's essentially the essence of it, right? If you think about in most Western societies, as an adult person, it's just kind of expected that you will drink alcohol. Unless there's some significant reason why you're abstaining or you're a non-drinker, it's very much the norm. And so most of us kind of like grow into adulthood and alcohol being part of our lives. And we don't ever question it, there's not really ever any pause because it's legal, widely available, and so socially acceptable. There's never really that kind of barrier to entry, which there is with other substances, such as, you know, even cannabis, but other drugs, et cetera, et cetera, whether they're on prescription or whether there's like legal issues around them. There's kind of like Mm -hmm. a barrier to entry. We have to kind of like push that bit harder to dabble in these substances. But with alcohol, it's just everywhere, even though it has a very similar effect psychosomatically and is easily if not more addictive than many of the other substances mood altering substances that we use so i just began to really question why that is <laughs> you know and actually to question how my own drinking was actually impacting on my overall well being be it physical mental emotional and spiritual you know and right. so that involves sort of taking my taking a step out of what i call the dominant drinking paradigm and rather than just kind of blindly going along with the drinking culture actually questioning like every instinct to drink every impulse to drink every invitation or expectation to drink and just taking a step back and being like why am i using alcohol in this situation what if i didn't have to what if i chose something different and for anybody who has tried taking a break from drinking you will know that immediately those questions can get quite deep and quite challenging on many different levels, um, depending on our, our individual circumstances. But yeah, I just think it's been really fascinating to watch that term really take off. I think that, you know, It speaks to me to the fact that a lot of people were and have been so curious for a long time they just didn't really have the terminology for it Mm -hmm. because another thing I wanted to do with it was to try to remove some of the stigma that there is around people questioning or quitting drinking sure Um, we tend to associate it very heavily with conversations about addiction alcoholism recovery And that's a very kind of like, it's very stigmatized. There's nothing wrong with any of that, Mm -hmm. but there's so much attached to it. And we have so many preconceptions about what it means to be addicted to alcohol, for example. But that alone can put people off, even responding to some of their own sober curious kind of like urges or inquiries, you know. So I wanted to create something that made it easier for people to feel good about Answering some of those questions for themselves, mm-hmm. which begins first and foremost with putting the drink down. You know, you have to one right. thing that I kind of do talk about fairly often is you can only really, you can only really answer questions like, "How is alcohol affecting my life?" or "Would my life be better without alcohol?" Mm-hmm. if you actually remove it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so, as much as sober curious, it sounds very, um, you know, it sounds very non-committal in a way and quite playful, and it can certainly be a hell of a lot of fun it doesn't necessarily mean continuing drinking it's just just only not from a judgmental or a moralistic perspective it's just really hard to answer those questions for yourself if you're still using the substance
0: right well and i think you explain this in the book as well um everyone has different reasons for why they may you know want to go into a sober lifestyle Um, And like you had mentioned just then, it doesn't always have to be some sort of traumatic experience that there's some negative reason for why someone, you know, wants to become sober. Um, And you had also brought up, which I'm curious. So you had said, like, with Westernized cultures, um, drinking is just it's very prevalent. Um, And I found that is, you know, much the case in Europe. It's obviously the case here in the States from your experience and the work you've done uh have you found that households with you know say parents who drink do you find that more people are not that more people are but it's easier for one to become more i guess addictive to addicted to a substance if they're growing up in a household or an environment where drinking is very prevalent um it's so
1: individualistic it's really Mm -hmm. hard as much as there are sort of um Yes, you you know, you can say that in Western countries, the UK, the US, Australia, Canada, these all have very high rates of, you know, um, substance or alcohol use, let's say. Um, But it's very hard to kind of generalize around the question like that, because Mm -hmm. it can sort of go both ways, depending on the individual and their experiences. Some people who've grown up in a household where there's heavy drinking, grow up with a real aversion to it. And I'm mm-hmm. like, I don't want to use that. And I hear that conversation that quite frequently, like people who've seen their parents or other family members having issues with alcohol very early on get a kind of like a wariness around it. Mm-hmm. And then on the other hand, yes, if it's very much normalized in your home environment, then you're more likely to get sort of sucked into just thinking that alcohol is a necessary kind of part and parcel of, of life. Right. But it is very individual, you know? Mm-hmm. I do think that generally... Um, given that alcohol consumption is so normalized, we grow up, typically we kind of grow up seeing it that way. We see it as very normal to drink. The mm-hmm. kind of like, you know, the the abnormal thing is not to drink. Right. And so, yes, for, for the majority of us who grow up in households where alcohol is present, we probably will drink mm-hmm. to some extent, you know? Yeah.
0: And it, it is. It's very you know, individualized, as you said, and it's also very broad, you know, there's so many different reasons for why people drink or don't. Mm -hmm. Um, With, so I guess with the Sober Curious Reset, you dive into these, it's a hundred day journey. Each day you offer different exercises, different advice. What made you want to sort of give this how-to lesson on, you know, advice and ways people can go about it?
1: Well, it came out of conversations like this. You know, since the first book came out, I've had so many conversations on podcasts, on my podcast, at retreats and workshops that I've led, just with people in my life. All, and and that's something that's made me really realise how individual this journey is, Mm -hmm. but how oftentimes when you're the person who's choosing to get sober curious you're quite a lot of the time on your own in that decision. For the majority of us, again, like alcohol is kind of interwoven into our friendship groups, our family lives, where we socialize, our working environments, and it can feel very lonely and alienating to kind of opt out of that. So I wanted to create something that would almost feel like a guide, like literally a guide to hold your hand through the process. And also to make it much more intentional than just taking a break from the Like we're Mm -hmm. recording this in January, Dry January has now become super popular. I read somewhere last week that 15% of Americans are taking part in Dry January this year, which wow. is just like a staggering number, right. actually. <laughs> um, but then, of course, there were also so many memes after all of the um, disruption at the Capitol around like, well, Dry January's cancelled then, which, again, speaks so much to our collective kind of dependence and reliance on alcohol mm-hmm. as a way to numb out the many stressful kind of situations or feelings Um, but yeah I think that a lot of people when they're approaching a dry January or a sober September that's another popular one or any kind of like a break from alcohol where it's maybe a bit of a health kick or a detox they're often entering into it thinking well I'm just going to use my willpower and get through this month Mm-hmm. I can muscle through this like 10, 40 days, whatever it is. And a lot of the time people are kind of counting down until the end of the thing. So they can prove to themselves that they did it. They can prove to themselves, I'm not addicted. Look, I just took that break and I did it fine. Right. <laughs> and then kind of go back to how they were drinking before. And I see that as, I mean, any break from drinking in my book is like good, a good idea. Like do it. And I'm mm-hmm. definitely not kind of taking away from the sense of achievement that you can get from taking a break. But I'm also saying if you if you go into this with a really intentional mindset of like, I'm going to use this break to really work out why I've been drinking the way mm-hmm. I've been drinking, what purpose I, I perceive alcohol to serve me in my life. Once you start answering some of those questions, if you do want to make a real change, like a sustainable, lasting change, whether sure. it's you want to quit completely or whether it's just you really want to change your relationship to drinking. Asking those questions while you're in this extended timeout can be really, really powerful.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so I wanted to create that for people as well. Something that kind of takes you beyond just the like, I'm doing a detox or I'm taking a month off, you know? Definitely. Every day there's a different question,
0: mm-hmm. which
1: might be coming up for you around that point. <laughs> in your break and then there are journaling exercises, meditations, little snippets of kind of info or insight that I've gained again just from speaking to so many different people of all different backgrounds about their experiences of drinking, why they drink, why they feel pressure to drink, um, how how society kind of makes them feel about drinking and it really invites you to kind of answer those questions for yourself.
0: Sure. And it's,
1: you know, we're, it, it's the first year that it's been out. There are thousands of people in my Sober Curious Facebook group all doing the work together. And they're all like, I'm on day 15, I'm on day 14. <laughs> and I'm just like, I can't wait to see what the conversations are like at like day 96, you right. know, and just to see what revelations people have had about their lives and their relationships with drinking with that much kind of like richness
0: you know, powering their journey. Sure, because everybody will be getting different things out of it as well. Yeah, exactly. But yes, so I think it's really interesting. And, you know, I had shared with you before we started recording, um, my experience with once the pandemic hit, I guess, what, almost a year ago now? Mm. Jeez. Um, Once it hit and I found myself like everybody else in this lockdown, um, I kept hearing so many people say that, they were purchasing, you know, wine subscription boxes, or everybody was hitting up the liquor store. And again, no judgment there. Like everybody, you know, goes about life differently. Um, and I, prior to the pandemic, would you know, drink casually. But I think not having anywhere to go, um, not unfortunately having much to celebrate. I didn't feel like I, I needed to have alcohol in my life, right? So I um, unintentionally <laughs> just stopped drinking. And now I it's what? Almost a year now since this pandemic. I have had, you know, drinks throughout it. However, I've really just eliminated it from my my diet, if you will. Um I've eliminated it from my my use. And I just feel so much better. I really do, and as I, you know, read uh, the Super Curious Reset and read everything you said about, you know, how your sleep improves, um, your eyes are bigger. Like there was so much I was reading, and I was just so fascinated by it, and that I had experienced. Um, it was really amazing. So I guess what, and again, everybody's experiences are different. But what's been some of the takeaways uh, that readers, um, maybe yourself, had from your own experience with this 100-day journey?
1: Well, a lot of what you've described. A lot of the time, if, we're not, if we don't see ourselves as having a drinking problem, we don't think that we're you know, addicted to alcohol or that it's causing us big issues. Mm-hmm. We haven't necessarily been questioning it in that way oftentimes it's only when we actually remove it that we realize how much of a toll it's been taking just on our overall sense of well-being and by well-being I mean like you know the levels of anxiety we experience the clarity of thinking our quality of sleep um yeah it may affect our skin or we might feel bloated or have digestive stuff going Mm -hmm. on just kind of low-lying like kind of general ickiness mm-hmm. that we can't put our finger on. I think a lot of people will relate to be able to experience some of that in their lives you know, just kind of especially against the backdrop of the yes. pandemic right? But oftentimes, and I experience this too, it's only when you remove the alcohol that you realise oh actually that was contributing. Even a couple of glasses of wine a night, like a glass of wine right. at dinner or maybe a you know, half a bottle at the weekend, a couple of cocktails with friends. It actually is all adding up and it's all taking a toll on how I feel. And so a lot of the time for people like yourself who don't necessarily have like a drinking problem or think that they have a drinking problem, yeah, there can be this real sense of revelation as to like, whoa, this seemingly innocuous substance that I just enjoyed with my friends Mm -hmm. was actually on a kind of subtle level, really making me feel terrible. (laughs) And who knew there was so much energy and clarity and just kind of like peace of mind underneath it. Mm -hmm. which I think given how much stress we're all under currently, physical, emotional, spiritual, all of the stuff, all of the stress, um, again, depending on our different situations, um, But I just think that during this time, you you following your intuition to kind of cut out drinking was probably one of the kindest things you could do to support yourself Mm -hmm. while we've been going through this. And that might sound counterintuitive to people who are thinking, well, alcohol helps me to relax. It's a way that I kind of can switch off from the news and detach from the headlines for a few hours. In my experience and that of the majority of people who undertake this work, you, it's actually doing you way more of a disservice and costing you way more in terms of energy, confidence, um, peace of mind than it's actually worth. Yeah. Like that, those couple of hours of kind of like forgetting about everything. On the other side of that is feeling grumpy and groggy because you didn't get enough sleep. Mm-hmm. It's feeling, yeah, increased levels of anxiety. It's proven that alcohol kind of like heightens anxiety in the body. at least in the after effect. So alcohol actually has the same effect on our mind as anti-anxiety medication like Valium or Xanax, Mm -hmm. which again is a very interesting thing to consider. If you were taking Valium daily, you might start to think, maybe there's something going on here. Maybe maybe there's something, maybe it's not actually healthy for me to be relying on this medication to this extent, Mm -hmm. particularly given that like these medications, alcohol is very addictive. And so the more we use, the more we need to achieve the same kind of like effect. So while people might be thinking, oh, but it's just so much anxiety, there's just so much going on, actually reaching for a drink to medicate that is not gonna help you in the long run. It's actually gonna make you less able to cope with whatever might be presenting in your life. So yeah, it's interesting hearing your story. I think um, I've definitely heard people, people going one of two ways with their drinking in the pandemic either Mm -hmm. drinking alcohol more, realizing, oh, I thought I was a social drinker, but actually I drink every night at home, if there's nowhere to go out, and maybe that is a problem, (laughs) to, oh, well, I don't have any socializing to do, so I don't, I'm not going to be using it in that way, in which case maybe I don't need it at all, which Mm -hmm. is the route that you've gone, but I think on both those paths would count as being sober curious, because both those paths are bringing up questions. Right, Right. definitely. So yeah, yeah, it's it's been been a really interesting time. And I think it's been interesting. There's been so many articles about like pandemic drinking and Mm -hmm. all the different kind of (laughs) ways that people are grappling with that, that I think it's obviously very front of mind, top of mind for people.
0: Definitely. Yeah, it's been a really great experience for me. Um, I think literally the biggest takeaway is that I just feel so much better. And that's sort of the way I approached it. It's sort of like eliminating junk food from your diet. Once you realize, like, everything, like, and you had mentioned bloating, um, acne, so many different things, it brings about, um, I looked at it that way, and I was like, what what am I doing this for? It's not, like, bringing me, like, instant gratification to, you know, have a drink at night, um, then I don't really need it. So, um, for me, yeah, the journey's been, it's been really great, and it's, I think, something I'm going to try and continue once we're in a post-pandemic world
1: amazing Mm -hmm. and likewise for somebody who has been maybe unknowingly using alcohol as a way to keep a lid on or tamp down kind of overwhelming feelings of anxiety or depression Mm -hmm. removing it could mean that all of those feelings come up to the fore and they end up feeling kind of overwhelmed in sure. which case, the answer is now is a time to maybe think about getting some therapy, or maybe it is a time to think about finding a support group. Mm-hmm. Or maybe your alcohol use has been more problematic than you realized, and AA would be something worth looking into. For anyone who's listening to this who thinks that might be the case, I also just want to say, and I can't say it often enough, there is no shame in being addicted to alcohol alcohol is one of the five most addictive substances that there is as we've already discussed it's hugely redi- readily available and socially sanctioned so mm-hmm. it makes absolute sense that a lot of us use it to medicate stuff right. um, and so yeah there's absolutely no shame in going to check out the meeting if you feel like you need more support like aa is free it's super accessible in the pandemic it's all online so it's even more anonymous you can literally just find a zoom meeting log on and sit there and listen and see if there's anything that resonates you know so I do just always want to say that like yes removing alcohol is one of the kindest most empowering things you can do for yourself and no (laughs) it's not always going to look like I instantly feel better and What was I even using that for? You might suddenly realize, oh, I know exactly what I was using that. That was my valium. That was my medication. And now I don't have it. What do I do? So it's really important to, yeah, I think if you've got a, you know, this is another time as well just to make extra sure that you're checking in with friends, actually asking people how they're doing. You know, not Mm -hmm. assuming that everyone's feeling the same way as as you. If you haven't heard from someone for a few weeks, just a text, how are you? Do you want to talk about anything? Can be a real lifesaver in these times when we're being, when we're so kind of separated and removed from our usual kind of social interactions, you know?
0: Sure. Well, and one of the things I really love in the book, too, that you explore is, what you miss when you're not drinking and spoiler alert it's not a whole lot it's not as much as you would think no. um and, and you say like you can still have fun you know without literally drinking at a party or with friends or, or wherever you can still like find enjoyment and joy in that
1: yeah absolutely and relaxation and pleasure and connection and all mm-hmm. of those things are so available to us right. without alcohol We just might have to initially maybe work a little harder for them but i think we're all experiencing that in the pandemic as well since we've been so isolated and our usual ways of socializing and having fun are not really available to us we've had to kind of get creative and be a lot more like what can i actually do this evening i'm i've literally watched everything on netflix (laughs)
0: run out of netflix what am i gonna do I know. That's, oh, that's another story. Like streaming services, as much content as there is, I feel like I'm always like, what do I watch? (laughs) But yeah, so I'm curious. um, Do you have any specific mocktails or drinks that you like to indulge in um, instead of, you know, grabbing an, an actual alcoholic beverage? So many. So I'm
1: a big fan of all the kind of alcohol-free alternatives that have come onto the market in the past couple of years. Um, I was a, I used to always really enjoy beer, so I'm really happy there are some amazing alcohol-free craft beers now, and some breweries doing some really, really great stuff. So I like having one of those. Um, I also really like Liars alcohol-free spirits for making kind of mocktails at home. There's a brand called Ghia that I really like, G-H-I-A. They do a delicious kind of like slightly bitter aperitif that you can just have with tonic. So yeah, I really love all of these. There's an alcohol-free gin called Damrak Virgin. And again, I just was having some of that with tonic and lime this weekend. delicious. And for me, those... You're having that ritual of, like, making myself a drink at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. And even if it is just, like, pulling, cracking open a beer after I've put my laptop down at the end of the day, it's such an amazing signal to the brain that, like, we're in relaxation mode now. Mm -hmm. And actually, I found that, like, you know, over my, my, my journey, I've kind of been through been kind of like dipped back into drinking here and there oftentimes as I write about in the first book as a bit of an experiment of like, sure. is it really that much fun? <laughs> Did I really enjoy it that much? And I've even found during that time that some of the drinks I used to enjoy the most, after an extended period of not drinking it, I'll go back to it and I'm like, this tastes like poison. This legit tastes like poison. I remember the first time I had wine after not drinking wine for a year, I was just like, it's petrol in a glass. What was I doing? <laughs> and there's an amazing I do want to give a shout out to sapien sapiens beverage Mm -hmm. um that's an alcohol-free wine brand that uses real wine but it's de-alcoholized the same way that you'd have decaf coffee so it tastes it's got that full-bodied wine flavor so and it has all the antioxidants from wine as well but it's like 70 percent less calories and it tastes really good so that with like a bowl of pasta is just kind of tricks your brain into like well, I'm having the thing I thought I wanted, but then
0: you nice. don't have a hangover. It's mm-hmm. like a win-win. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, that's amazing. I'm always so just fascinated by, you know, how much is out there for things. And mm. I guess just with, you know, non-alcoholic beverages, there's so much out there. And it's amazing. Amazing. And I feel like really just is. with anything, the more we explore topics issues it's people just create and create and it's awesome
1: yeah well like I said I think this whole alcohol-free industry has kind of sprung up to meet this demand of people Mm -hmm. saying I'm so curious I want an alternative like three years ago it was kombucha and a few few kind of like mainstream alcohol-free beer brands but it's really come come along so so fast and it's brilliant so much innovation I love it Mm
0: -hmm. yeah and it's exciting to see where it will all go and I'm excited to watch it happen and indulge in the products. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, like, literally for me even, just, like, ending the night with a cup of tea, like, that's the re- relaxation for me. And it does the trick. Honestly, <laughs> I just
1: true. rediscovered peppermint tea.
0: Okay, how oh, much I love it. Yes. Oh especially in the winter. Especially exactly. in the winter. As it's, like, snowing like a blizzard yeah. behind me. I'm realizing as yeah, I'm... I was <laughs> that. It's intense. It's really coming down. Um. <laughs> but, yeah, so... You know, like we mentioned before, it's been interesting to watch individuals, you know, cope through this pandemic. Um, Some, like as we had said, have been using alcohol as a means to do that. Others have not. What resources would you recommend for anyone who may or may not be struggling with their relationship with alcohol, but may want to eliminate it from their diet? Um, You know, what resources would you recommend?
1: There's a whole um, kind of new category of like Instagram influencers who are all about being sober curious or sober. So there's like huge amounts of kind of like support and motivation and community on social media. There's, like I said, there's a sober curious Facebook group, which is a private group where Mm -hmm. people are just, they're so supportive of each other and just go in there to ask their questions and people will all share their experiences of being sober curious, no matter kind of where they fall on the spectrum of, having had like a problem with alcohol, for example. Um, So yeah, I do feel like community support and just friends to talk about this Mm -hmm. with is one of the best resources besides all of the amazing quitlet. I mean, Sober Curious, again, is now part of a whole kind of canon of literature on the subject. And there are some other great books that I talk about in Sober Curious and that people might really resonate with as well. Um, So yeah, I feel like the books, the community, I think as well like having a friend like someone close in your life who you can kind of be on this path with is Mm -hmm. really helpful you know just someone that you can text who kind of gets it who's in the same boat with you potentially so if if you're thinking about if you are sober curious or even if you're doing a dry january think about actually setting an intention more of an intentional kind of container with somebody where you Mm -hmm. can be like hey let's have a check-in with this about every week you know let's every Friday afternoon kind of like just check in have a half hour call share what's been up for us this week I've found that having those kind of like more sort of um, specific and structured check-ins with people can be really nice during this pandemic when we've all got kind of like Zoom calls and other things
0: Mm -hmm.
1: you know pulling our attention actually having something in the calendar that is more of a social connection more of a kind of like heart to heart connection can be a really amazing resource too we think that I mean therapy is amazing for people who can afford it and there are now so many um, great more affordable options for kind of online therapy and text therapy but obviously it's not accessible to everyone. And I think that we actually, um, we forget about the power of friendship and the value of just being able to talk honestly and openly about what's going on with, with a friend who's got time to hear it, you know? Right. And sort of setting it up with a friend can be really, really helpful in that kind of like peer-to-peer kind of counseling, way, almost. Yeah. So yeah, the, the community connection, um, having some of these, these drinks kind of on hand, stocked mm-hmm. in the refrigerator so you've got something delicious to kind of like reach for can be really helpful and then and i know it's tricky with it being winter and all the lockdowns and stuff but doing some kind of daily movement Mm -hmm. actually especially when we're so confined can just be really good for kind of moving some of the anxious thoughts out of your head it doesn't have to be a full-on workout like i i will do like a half hour of something every day Mm -hmm. whether it's like a half hour of yoga or a half hour kind of walk around my neighborhood or a half hour kind of i do tabata workouts i don't know if you know what that is it's like a high intensity intensity interval training no equipment you can do it anywhere
0: awesome but i make
1: sure i have like half an hour a day that's just for moving not thinking right (laughs) or at at least you know a way as a way of processing our thinking so Mm -hmm. yeah i guess those would be my kind of go-to hopefully affordable resources for people
0: right i completely agree i think Just with so much, uh, working out, and it doesn't have to be working out, but just getting your body moving, distracting your mind, and just taking in nature, um, as cheesy as it sounds, it really does help. And uh, yeah, for me even, just like walking every morning, um, there's so many virtual workout (laughs) classes right now. So much is virtual. Um, So many virtual workout classes, and um, so many at an affordable price, too. Uh, And then, of course, like I have the book here. It's I loved this because I think the way you went about it was for me, I was just very receptive to it because the way you went about it, it wasn't at all preachy Mm -hmm. and you gave assignments without making it feel like homework. And it was just something fun to sort of look at and take into consideration each day. And I think for, you know, someone who, You know there's anyone out there who is curious in as to the sober curious mindset um it's definitely a great um guide to it yeah
1: I like that you said that about the assignments Mm -hmm. because yes some of them are journaling sometimes they'll ask you to write stuff but a lot of the time they're more just kind of what I call thought experiments I'm just offering you a different way to look at something and I'll give you a cue like throughout your day just notice when this is happening Mm -hmm. and I think sometimes those kind of those perspective shifts can be really, really powerful, you know, and they can right. they can be what kind of like spark the real light bulb moments of like, oh, I've been doing this and I didn't need to be, you
0: know. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely, <laughs> yeah. and yeah, and so many things. You know, you talk about meditation, uh, taking time to pray, taking time to meditate. It's just all those things are so important to take the time mm-hmm. for yourself and maybe, you know, distract your mind that way and focus on something else and, you know, devote that time that maybe you would spend drinking to, you know, do something else and learn something new about yourself. Yeah,
1: totally. And that's the thing, like these things don't have to take a lot of time. It's interesting. I can't tell. And again, I think it's very different for everybody, whether people feel like they have more time in the pandemic or whether they have less time. Because perhaps, you know, if people have families, they feel like they're just kind of constantly on with the kids, homeschooling and juggling that with work and then cooking. And uh, and for other people who maybe live alone and work from home, it's like, well, I've got like evening after evening after evening of just empty hours. <laughs> so I think, again, it's really hard to assume how much time people have to dedicate to this stuff. Definitely. But I think with the exercises in the book, it's kind of like you, you could go as deep, deep, deep as you want, but you can also just kind of... I don't want to use the word surface necessarily, but you can kind of like dip in and dedicate as much time you, as you've got and still get something useful out of it, I think. And have it more sure. as a kind of like a touch point in your day.
0: Sure. Yeah, well, I loved it. Um, I'm excited. And like I said, I'm excited to sort of do the journey again when life is normal and you know more of the I guess temptation would be there of of socializing and hopefully celebrating things again and you know a a lot of good times coming but um it'll be interesting to sort of um you know do the journey again from a different different world we're in uh, yeah it was definitely strange like
1: I wrote it in a month when lockdown had kind of first started and I think mm-hmm. at that point everybody was thinking that by the end of the year we'd be like back to quote unquote normal but um yeah so it's been it has been an interesting time to be having this conversation with people because like mm-hmm. I said it's we're these are such extenuating circumstances it's like oh this isn't really real life so yeah but like you say in a way that's a great time to like create a new reality for yourself mm-hmm. with alcohol you know right it's like all bets are off I and mean, you really there really is a huge opportunity now to disrupt what might have become a really habitual and unhealthy habit you
0: know exactly so uh ruby i'm really curious um what new projects you're working on i mean i know you have your podcast and you're on social media as well so what's i guess new and exciting on your end and where can people follow along so
1: in my other kind of life, I run a <laughs> self publishing imprint. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I help authors self publish their books across my platform, The Numinous, which I launched in 2012 as an online magazine covering everything to do with sort of modern spirituality and spiritual and emotional well being. And that's really evolved over the past decade to now become this publishing platform. So I'm really excited to help my authors kind of like launch all of their books throughout this year Definitely. So that's kind of where most of my energy is going and that's kind of how I work with people now which I just absolutely love doing um but yeah the sober curious movement continues to grow pace, and I'm kind of obviously a part of that my mm. podcast is called sober curious and I actually in a way kind of selfishly use it as a place to just talk about all the things that I'm interested in because <laughs> <laughs> I also find that like and, and typically, you know, all of my guests are sober or sober curious, which is mm-hmm. what kind of, you know, joins them up, joins them together. But um, kind of you can talk about anything through the lens of sobriety, because ultimately, when we remove the alcohol, we just see the whole world with so much more clarity. And we right. see our role within events that are unfolding so much more clearly and honestly and I think that's really rich fertile ground for interesting conversations so so the curious podcast and then I'm kind of intermittently on social media and I actually just launched a personal newsletter where I'm going to be sharing kind of longer essays and writing because I find the whole social media world a little bit icky yeah. sometimes. <laughs> so yeah
0: yeah social media is uh, great definitely but has its flaws. So, uh, has its
1: limitations, let's say. So right. Yes, I'm going to be doing more writing um, on my newsletter, which people can sign up for in the bio on my Instagram feed, which is at Ruby Warrington.
0: Amazing. Yeah. And I think, you know, with this uh, pandemic going on, it'll be hopefully really inspiring to see uh, work and ideas that are going on in authors' minds. Yeah. So, um, definitely on the publishing side, that's really exciting and see, you know, see what comes of it all
1: yes indeed watch
0: this space (laughs) well ruby thank you so much for coming on Um, i always like to conclude though by asking with this being handling it has there been um through your journey with this sober curious platform has there been a piece of advice or a lesson you've learned along the way that's really helped you handle it i wouldn't
1: say a piece of advice I suppose the lesson I've learned is that actually I'm so much more confident and resilient than I ever gave myself credit for. I think that many people find this, if we've been sort of outsourcing our ability to cope or our self-confidence to alcohol Mm -hmm. for our whole adult lives, (laughs) it's actually only again when we remove it that we realize how much we can actually handle without that substance. And how not only can we handle more, we can handle it better because we have priority, we're connected to our emotions, and we just ha- we're just we less reactive. And so, yeah, I've discovered that I'm better at handling life without alcohol.
0: Amazing. Yeah. I feel like, you know, sometimes, like you said, we can be too hard on ourselves and uh, too discouraging of ourselves at times. Um, but yeah, it's important to give ourselves a break and, you know, realize you can do it. It is within you. Um, and not to, Yeah. Keep persevering. <laughs>
1: exactly, exactly. It doesn't all have to get done today, you know. sometimes it's okay to rest, and it's okay to not know what to do next, and
0: just. All oh, right. I mean, <sighs> isn't that this. yeah? Isn't that all of like 2020 and into 2021 yeah. is like what is next? None of us right. know, but you know, let's just go about it and see what happens. Exactly. <laughs> Keep showing up. Yeah. yeah. Well, Ruby, thank you so much. This was great. Thank
1: you so much for having me. It's great meeting.
0: Well guys, I hope you all enjoyed hearing from Ruby. I think it's so important to remember that everyone's relationship with alcohol is different, but if you are curious and becoming part of the Sober Curious Club, I highly recommend you check out Ruby's new book, The Sober Curious Reset. As I mentioned in our conversation, I've taken this time to lessen the amount of alcohol in my life, and I feel really great. So if you are interested in the journey, a link to the book is in the episode description so you can check it out. Thank you to Ruby so much for coming on and thank you listeners so much for tuning in. As always, let me know what you thought of our episode. You can reach us on Instagram at handlingitpodcast and feel free to send us a message and let us hear your thoughts and suggestions. I'll see you next week with a brand new episode, but until then, keep staying safe with everything going on in the world right now and keep handling it. I'll talk to you soon.